Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools are here every week, 12 noon, on the dot, hopefully, and uh, we are here to defend and to promote public education. That is education that is public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it is open. It is free, secular and compulsory, and it is open to all children, whoever they may be, however you want to label them. And I'll be talking about labels shortly. And as well as that, our public schools should be publicly owned and controlled. They should not be private-public partnerships, quangos or what have you. Our public schools should also be the only ones that are publicly funded because they're the only ones that can be publicly accountable. And if things are going to get any better here in Australia, then our politicians should accept responsibility for the provision of a first-rate public education for all the children in this country. Now, we know that this is not the case, but it's very good always to remind ourselves of what should be the case and work towards it. Now, we have a website at www.adogs.info and uh, we have press releases. We try to put one up every week and here is this week's. It's press release 734. Another piece of jargon in the inequality debate. What's this bit of jargon? Resilient students. Parents deal with children, their children. Teachers deal with these children, other people's children, who, amongst many other things, are their students. They all have names. They're all off to school this last week and they all have names and they're individuals with various educational requirements. But in EduSpeak, a new descriptor has surfaced in OECD and media reports for a very substantial group of Australian children. And this is the term, resilient students. Well, who are they? Are these a subspecies of children who are knocked down continually but keep getting up again? Do they live in a jungle created by rising inequalities and are they the Darwinian survivors? Perhaps this is not far from the truth. According to OECD reports, these are the disadvantaged children who survive their poor socioeconomic start in life there's a lot of jargon here, isn't there? Survive inadequately funded schools and are still in the educational race with their wealthy peers from massively overfunded private schools. Well, in this Darwinian survival of the fittest, the survival rate in Australia is falling. Pavali Singhal, an education writer for the Fairfax Press, tells us this week, that the share of resilient students in Australia has fallen from 36.3% of students in 2006 to 28.6% in 2015. And that's according to the OECD. 
only about 28.6% of the most disadvantaged students in Australia are demonstrating the skills needed for success later in life in the Program for International Student Assessment, or PISA tests. This is an OECD report that has found this. And this figure of 28.6% is a little bit higher than the OECD average of 25.2%, but it's far lower than countries such as Canada and Finland, where nearly 40% of students are overcoming their background to succeed at school. DOGS, the Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools, do not accept a Darwinian predestination idea for a high percentage of Australian children. The problem of disadvantage in Australia has been greatly exacerbated since state aid to private schools was reintroduced in large amounts under the guise of a needs policy in 1973. The problem doesn't go back to the Howard government of the 1990s. It goes back to 1973, and I'm sorry, it goes back to Whitlam and the needs policy. And further back to that, to Menzies, and his caving in to the DLP. The inequality disadvantaged problem would be greatly ameliorated in Australia if children attended equal, free, compulsory and secular schools which were adequately staffed and resourced. The devil can then take the wealthy survivors in schools they pay for themselves. Then the resilience of disadvantaged children will be taken for granted. So that is uh, the DOGS press release for um, this week, press release 734. We'll have a little break and uh, then Robert will come back with some very interesting news and views. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday, Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. You can get your copy of 3CR's book for $49.50 at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org. Get a piece of your own history. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. VCR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. Welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial. It's good to have your company here again. Yeah, thanks, Jean. This whole resilience thing, yes. Anyway, if you're involved in education, you'll, you'll know that's the word that's passed around the staff room every day and then every other day. And it's one, it's one of those words you have to use in meetings if you want to get anywhere in life. Um, it, it, the words change, but the ideas sort of don't really cycle around. Yeah, this whole resilience thing, I think, is absolutely fascinating. I'd like to actually not pull you up on not pull Jean up on it, but back her up on it because there's a completely different take on exactly the same idea with similar conclusions. And it actually comes from a study that's just been done in the United States that relates to NAPLAN scores and behaviour. And they're drawing the most extraordinary causal links between children's behaviour, that is how they behave and, and how well they do in NAPLAN scores. And you know, behaviour these days is is micromanaged and micromeasured. Actually, I won't say it's micromanaged because the poor teachers aren't really trained in any way appropriately to deal with it, but um, it's certainly micromeasured. And children who display 
These are the words you have to use if you're in a school. Social and emotional strength. We can call that resilience if you like. When they enter kindergarten, are up to 26 points ahead in each of the three NAPLAN domains through primary school, compared with students who display anxious, aggressive or disruptive traits, a new study has found. So there you go. If you're a good child, you do well in tests. Study has actually gone through more more than 52,000 kindergarten students from nearly 2,800 New South Wales schools and they found that children who displayed cooperative, socially responsible and helpful behaviours at the start of the school between... started, scored between 24 and 26 points more in each of the years three and five numeracy and writing tests and up to eight points more in the reading tests than their peers who displayed what they described as maladaptive behaviours. Well, you know where this is going, don't you, Jane? Because we, we all know what maladaptive behaviours and, and badly behaved kids are all about. Sheep and goats, why is it that we always seem to want to divide people into sheep and goats, even children, before they go to school? Hmm. In my day, we talked about late developers. We talked about education for life. Uh, no, it's, um, we talked about how the world was an open place for learning at every stage as oh, a no, person. Oh, no, 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 Jane. Those, those are the bad old days where, where, <laughs> where, where people weren't assessed and you couldn't get a handle on exactly where they were and they didn't have individual education plans to make sure that their resilience was supported through a dynamic and whatever blah, blah, blah process within a teaching and learning environment. Oh, look, I'm, I'm making myself fall asleep. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was disappearing off into education ease there. Anyway, the lead paper, um, the lead author of this paper, I should say, Rebecca, Rebecca Colley, and this is a published paper published in the Journal of Educational Psychology. So it's, it's not a nothing. And what she's saying um, is almost certainly well researched, uh, well supported, well analysed, uh, and methodologically sound. Um, she's she's right. Look, pity um, the people in, in in academia, Robert. They have to produce these papers to retain their jobs, and the jobs are very insecure these days too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure whether universities are about learning anymore either. Hmm. Well, just just to be fair to go on about these findings, the findings come as the latest NAPLAN results show that nearly 25% of Year 9 boys are falling short of international minimum standards in writing and proportion to Australian students meeting the minimum standard across all four five NAPLAN domains. So they're extending the study of, of, of kindergarten and they're talking about badly behaved year nine boys straight away. Now this isn't the study. To be, to be, to be fair to Dr. Colley, this is not the study. This is now the media jumping up and down on that. And then not just the media, but now we've got the education ministers. Rob Stokes says that this study is a wake-up call that, um, that means that some change is required in terms of behaviour. Don't you love it, politicians jumping up on, down, on bad, badly behaved kindergarten kids? Now, this study by the New South Wales and University of Sydney researchers placed students entering kindergarten in 2009, a little while ago, into four different social and emotional behaviour profiles and controlled for socio-economic character, socio-educational characteristics and early academic achievement in the analysis of their NAPLAN scores. The students' behaviours were reported by their teachers and about two-thirds of the children were in the best-performing pro-social profile, which is characterised by high levels of positive behaviour and low levels of maladaptive traits. So about 13% of the students were in the anxious profile, which scored between 5 and 12 points below the pro-social profile. And students in this character displayed high levels of anxiety alongside average levels of social responsibility and aggressive disruptive. Up to 14% were the aggressive students, which scored between 13 and 20 points below pro-social profiles, which means they are very anxious and disruptive and aggressive. And yes, if you're a teacher, you know who those kids are. About 5% of the students were in the worst performing vulnerable profile, uh, which is very, very low and very, very high levels of aggressive and disruptive behaviour. Now, the one thing they didn't control for, of course, was the socioeconomic status. Because that's the other thing. In Australia, it is the disgusting fact that the wealth of your parents is the single greatest determinant for educational success in Australia. I'm going to say that again. How wealthy your parents are is the single most important thing when it comes to how good your schooling is going to be. 
And I find that disgusting. I find that actually a national tragedy. And I'll be talking later about federal and state governments responding to this like children. But that in itself is a tragedy. Now, what they're saying is that... Of I, the, thought of talking, the, I thought you were talking about the early 19th century England, which was a very class... Um, classification society that's in the early 19th century. I, I thought that's what you're talking about just a moment ago. Strong links, strong correlations, or just being the same thing. If you're poor, you don't get good numbers and writing and stuff. And if you're rich, you get good numbers and writing and stuff and plus lots of other history and all the other things that make you sound smart stuff. Yeah, you're right. That's, that, that is the definition of a class society. That is the definition of an oligarchy. That is the definition of a pre-modern society. And in Australia, we have those conditions here in Australia at the moment because of the way we go about funding and resourcing and thinking about our education systems, plural, and that is just the inevitable consequence. We are actually a pre-modern society. We are reverting. Studies are now showing, other studies around the world are showing that this next generation will be the first generation that has a lower level of education than the one that came before. If you look at the levels of education as a population in terms of both level and, and distribution through, through a society and culture, the planet is becoming stupider. We've got more toys to play with, for sure, but we, as a race are stupiderising ourselves. And in Australia, we're leading the pack. <laughs> we are leading the pack in this. So this study, I think, is actually rather interesting, myself being, inter being interested in, in, in behaviours and, and how that affects education and the tragedies that happen when a child just gets left behind because they're, well, you can call it maladaptive, you can call it naughty, you can call it, I don't like school and I want to get out of here as quickly as I can. You can call it, call it anything you like. But... What they're saying, and I think one of the really interesting things is that when these kids in this study were assessed at the beginning of kindergarten to be in one of these groups from pro-social to extremely maladaptive, and I've been through the study, do you think there was any movement between those categories as they progressed from 2009 to 2018? And the answer is, of course, the study did not take that into account. So that kid who turns up in kindergarten and they're anxious and they're badly behaved, eight years later through their schooling life, it is assumed, it is assumed that that's the way they'll be when they come out of year five. Now I find that in itself, um, I don't know how that got past an ethics committee, <laughs> uh, if that's going to be the basis of your analysis, if that's one of your assumption points. Um, yeah, so not only is this study, to my mind, interesting, it's also disturbing. And it's also disturbing because they have ignored the socioeconomic factors. They talk about socioeducational, but socioeconomic factors haven't been taken into account. And I'm sounding a bit like a science-y sort of university person, but basically they did, they did this whole study and they didn't check to see if the parents were poor. Which, as we know in Australia, tragically, is the single greatest effect on how good your kid does at school. And the other thing, the, the tragedy of this study that's conducted in Australia is that the assumption is if that's the way they start, that's the way they're going to end up. Anyway, on that sombre note, I think we're going to have a break and a few messages because um, yeah, I've got some other points to make about what the, the ridiculous things that are going on with money, my money, in Canberra and the ACT when it comes to funding schools. Trevor Cobalt from Save Our Schools has put together a very interesting, very interesting set of numbers which I think our listeners would be, um, would be, would be well worth a listen to. But we'll be talking about that after the break. Bisexual Alliance is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email info at by-alliance.org well, Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Today in the studio we've got myself, Dale and Jean and we're going through the news, reviews and no interviews today uh, but the news and reviews of what's going on in the educational landscape of Australia and indeed questions of separation of religion and the state but before we continue um, giving you the stuff you won't get on other radio shows around, around the country 
uh, Jean's got some um, uh, listener correspondence. One of our listeners wrote in, and they've got some ideas. Um, and they and Jean, I said, well, look, I'm going I'm to share this with all our listeners because it's quite interesting stuff, Jean. Yes, it is, and thank you for the email from Rog Flinder. Um, it's about, uh, I'm sorry, Robert, it's about the VCE and HSC marking system. And perhaps we'll get our good friend over the other side of the console, Dale, to read it for us. She's got a good radio voice. <laughs> uh, thanks, Jean. Okay, so here's the email from Rob Flinder, Flinder to the dogs. What about doing an expose on the degree to which some schools are rotting the VCE-HSC marking system? The fact is that the biggest single difference between the American and Australian secondary systems is that in the USA, the SATs or ACTs are nationwide and, just as importantly, proctored by by persons sensibly excluded from from the schools. In Australia, however, the elite private sector dominates all the state-based tertiary entrance exams and keeps them both parochial and state-based for just that reason. They effectively control the assessment, content, administration and marking. As a consequence, their students alone enjoy privileges accessed to the assessors, chief assessors, text authors, past and present study design committee members and all the other exam system insiders that the private industry so carefully cultivates. And this is really why, relative to nearly every other civilised country, a huge proportion of Australian students, obviously only for secondary schools, attend expensive private schools. The point is that parents are simply Parents here are simply paying an enormous bribe to, sub- to secure exam-sensitive information so they can beat the rank of other, often more honest and deserving kids, and get into a good tertiary course. It is also why so many kids from private school f- schools famously underperform, fail or drop out of first-year university, despite the fact the coursework is often a review of Year 12, and they are better socially and financially supported. The truth is that they never really knew or know the work, just what to expect on the entrance exam. And it is also why students who enrol in expensive private schools only for Years 11 and 12 achieve exactly the same exit marks as their classmates who have been paying through the nose from prep. It's all about the final exit exams and knowing what to expect with regard to the questions and the format. What most people fail to appreciate is that nearly all exams reduce to a frantic race against the clock and to receive a perfect subject score, you only need to be in the top 0.5% not to produce a perfect exam. As a result, bogus medical certificates granting extra time and or prior knowledge of only one question can provide an enormous time advantage. You not only get full marks on that question, but have valuable extra time up your sleeve to complete the other part of the exam. Now, I'm not suggesting that all this is going on, but the bottom line is you can't spoon-feed a student the answers unless you know the questions. Yes, exactly right, Di. You've what got an interesting um, email. Thank you very much, Rog. Yeah, um, and what he's, saying, <laughs> what he's saying, I mean, yes, um, he's alleging a conspiracy in terms of the way the exams are set and marked and assessed and then distributed because they are locally based rather than set by some larger state authority that comes in with outside invigilators and does the whole business. Um, but what, of course, he's mentioning there at the end um, is not an alleged thing. That's not a conspiracy thing. That's just real. That's just a real thing because if listeners recall, just recently as part of the new Gonski 2.0, um, there's an idea that overfunding for private schools will be, will be tailored off 
because taking money away from uh, wealthy, fundamentally religious schools in Australia, because most private schools have some form of religious base, not all, but the vast majority, taking money away from religious people, how do you do it? We have to do it very slowly. <laughs> you can't just take it away from them because they scream and, and, um, and, and put God onto you and, 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 their, and, and their parishioners as well, who apparently are voters. But... Um, in, in the context of this, um, in terms of special deals, you're talking about special deals for, for, for students who have disabilities and therefore require extra time. Bear in mind that in Victoria, in the independent school sector, one in four students have been assessed to have a disability. And I'm sure that will come into play when it comes to doing their VCE exams. It also comes into play when, come in, when it turns of attracting extra money to support their disability. So I'll just say that again. Of the independents, for instance, um, uh, MLC, MLC, the Methodist Ladies College, yeah, one in four students at the Methodist Ladies College have a disability, an educational disability, um, which is assessed by the teachers, teachers themselves. Do you think that'll stand up under scrutiny? Like, do you think that yes. like, that'll get they'll get away with it? It's money. Yeah, it's money. But, I mean, you know how, how we've been talking about how the idea of one in four students having a disability at these schools, like, mm. that's an absurd idea, mm. and it's just completely ridiculous and no. not true. Loretto Girls has one in three. So if you've ever been to Loretto Girls so in Hawthorne, you'll, and some people have in And so in they're just room. accepting that. They're just accepting that, that as fact. They haven't, they're not assessing it themselves. Like. Oh, you mean, is it being audited? Yes. No, no, not at all. Because there's, no, because there's no education department to audit it. Who yeah. does the auditing? Who is going to go into a religious school and audit that you can't do that because that's against their religious principles to come in? And, and, Before the 1980s, there would have been inspectors. No, they did no, away with no the inspectoral system. But, uh, yeah, I just, script, that's just amazing that to, to disability... Order, to audit them means you don't believe them. And these schools have values, Christian oh, values. Come on. These schools have Christian values. And are, are you calling them liars, Diane? I just, it oh, just strikes terrible. me that, like, if, good, good if, a, if a public school principal was to put together figures like that and present them and expect, you know, the disability percentage yeah. handout, yeah. they wouldn't get it. it they, no. they, they'd be scrutinised, no. 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 they'd get their own auditors oh, in. Oh, 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 you're absolutely right, because if it's state money going to a state school, then... Um, Anyone can go and have a look at it, and do you know what? As is right and proper. Totally. As is completely, totally right and proper. Now, in state schools in Victoria, the number's actually more like one in seven or one in eight students have a disability of some sort, educational or otherwise, including socioeconomic status. Because unfortunately in Australia, if your parents are poor, you are behind the eight ball educationally. Now, in a state school... It's between one in seven and one in eight. And if you've worked in many of the state schools that I've worked in that aren't the selective ones, that's about right. Mm. That's about right. And good, because that's what state school values are. We take these kids, all kids, doesn't matter who they, who they, how much money their parents have, what the colour of their skin is, what their religion is, state school takes, there is no test. There is no test to get into a, 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 your local state school and neither should there be. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go to a selective state school, that's something different. But in that school, that's where the support needs. But if they're giving it, of course, to the rich private schools, and what this fellow was saying has a ring of truth to it when it comes to exams. Mm. You walk in there with a note from your teacher saying, not, not from your doctor, or no, from your teacher saying that you have educational disadvantages and therefore need extra time, blah, 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 wow. blah, blah. So these two things are related. So what, what, what our listener is saying in terms of conspiracy has more than a grain of truth to it. And it's not a, it's, it, it is not a leap that is unjustified to talk about the assessment, self-assessment of disability and how that plays out when it comes to sitting down and doing a VCE exam. But anyway, more than that, after the break, I'm going to tell you about what's going on in Canberra because I was talking before about how do you take money off religious men and the answer is very, very slowly. Uh-huh. And if you do, you have to pay them compensation. But I'll be talking, I'll be talking about the details of, of Simon Birmingham, the, the um, National Education Minister, trying to take money in the ACT. You're saying that Mr Guy has to pay the Catholic Education Office so that he can appear to take some money from them? <laughs> It's not Mr. Guy I'm talking about, it's Mr. Birmingham because, it's, because this is in the ACT. Oh, Thank sorry. you, Jane. We'll be back after these messages. Uh, hi, my name's Sarah. I love coming here because they offer vegan food. 
Hi, my name's Paul. I've, this is my first time at Friends of the Earth. I think it's really awesome and the food's great, really healthy and nutritious. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op, 312 Smith Street, Collingwood. A tuneful experience. A 3CR supporter. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. Sunshine North Primary School. They're really school. concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with the teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 94198377. State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Welcome back to the Dogs Program after those messages because we're on 3CR, we're a community radio station and so therefore it's good to support the community, which is what we do here on the Dogs. Um, and the community in Canberra has got some very interesting things going going on in its educational world because what's happened is in Canberra, uh, all of, every single one of the Catholic and independent schools in Canberra is massively overfunded. This is not an argument. No one disagrees with this. The Catholic schools, the independent schools, it's just a truth. They've been getting more money over the years than they, re- than they need. There are various formulas, and by every formula, it doesn't matter what formula or numbers you run over, they are getting more money than they need to increase the educational divide of the students of the ACT. But the good news is that in Canberra there's a man called Trevor Cobald from Save Our Schools, and he's an ex-productivity commission man, and he's pretty good on crunching the numbers. Yes, in fact, he's highlighted what's going on in Canberra in an article in the Sydney Morning Herald. But um, I'd actually like to read from his, his initial report on what's going on in Canberra because I think the details for our listeners on 3CR, the actual gutsy details of what we deserve here rather than a summation um, about what's going on, because I think it's fascinating. Because in the ACT, the Catholic and the independent schools are massively overfunded. And just to say, this, there's no argument about this. The schools themselves know this is the case. And, and they, they're overfunded compared to what's called the SRS, which is the Schooling Resource Standard. A fact well acknowledged by the Commonwealth Minister of Education, Simon Birmingham. The Catholic system and all independent schools except for three are currently funded at over 100% of their SRS. That is, they're getting more money than which they're entitled. The Catholic systemic schools in Canberra and around the ACT are overfunded to the tune of, get this, overfunded to the tune of $38.6 million. That's a lot of million dollars. And of that, $36.2 million is overfunding by the Commonwealth Government. Independent schools are overfunded by $31.3 million. Not as much as the Catholics, but that's because they haven't got quite as many kids. Um, And that includes $20.5 million by the Commonwealth. In in the whole of the ACT, just eight schools, just, just count them, Brindabella, Bergman, Canberra Girls Grammar, Canberra, Canberra Grammar, um, a school called Darra Marlin, the Marist College, Onara and Radford. Just those eight schools are overfunded. Put them all together. Those eight schools are overfunded by over $30 million. 
So that's about well, you that's do, obscene. You do the maths. It's ridiculous. So the total funding for all overfund. This isn't funding. This is overfunding. That's is been six, admitted. Yeah, yeah. This, this, admitted yeah, overfunding. Yeah, it, there's no argument about any of these numbers. Not private, public money. Yeah, tax, taxpayers' money overfunding to all these private schools is actually almost seventy million dollars. All up for all the private schools. Now. Gonski 2.0 was going to get rid of this overfunding. That was the point, because when you overfund it, it gets reduced. But it doesn't just get taken away. Oh, no. If you're going to take money away from religious people running their schools, you have to do it. You have to sneak it away. <laughs> Otherwise, they get grumpy. So it has to be reduced, what they call reduced progressively, to nothing. So there is no overfunding. That has to be done by the end of 2027. And that's under the Turnbull government's commitment commitment to end all special funding deals for private schools as part of its Gonski 2.0 funding plan. But the, the Labor Party won't do that, will they? I have no idea what the Labor Party no, will do no, because yeah, they, they, they're, they're remaining very silent on all of this. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, um, from the dog's perspective you just cannot consider voting for the Labor Party. Uh, well you can't consider voting for the Liberal Party either. Um, they are I wouldn't say as bad as each other but they're equally bad in different, slight, slightly different dimensions. It's like two rotten apples with slightly different shapes. Oh, yeah, that, that whole you wouldn't eat either liberal yeah. thing is, is yeah. part of their DNA. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a rotten apple and a mouldy orange. <laughs> you just wouldn't eat either of them. <laughs> That's the point when it comes to the... the if made you them. were starving. Uh, no, no, no. If, even if you're starving, if you eat either of them, it makes you sick, which is what's happened exactly. to education in Australia. Anyway, the Minister of Education... Um, let's call him the rotten apple, is trying. <laughs> trying. The Minister for Education said that the existing unique special deal for ACT private schools was actually unjustified, so he's saying it. The Labor Party aren't saying that, but he's saying it, and he's saying it will be removed. Good, good. The dogs support that. However, <laughs> this is the however, the government backflipped on its commitment and introduced a new special deal worth $58 million for the ACT private schools to get this, enable them to adjust to the lower levels of funding. <laughs> so, because if you're going to so take that money away, it's going to hurt them. Away. And so, if you're going to take the money away, which is overfunding from these schools, they'll feel sad and you give them some medicine to make them feel happy and the medicine is $58 million. <laughs> the money, is it, is it come from the same brown paper Bag that oh. they took the other money from. Yeah, I, 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 I just you know, I, take just, it away and give it back. Yeah, it's job amazing. done. Yep. The new this new special deal, which Simon Birmingham said he was going to make special deals. This new special deal <laughs> to enable the poor private schools to adjust to having too much money <laughs> will increase overfunding in schools <laughs> <laughs> right now, and that will now, in the end, over over the period of time, actually not be seventy million dollars, but in the end they'll get seventy two million dollars. Please, All together. All together. So they're going to up the amount oh, that they will get because, with a special deal. Because remember, because remember, they're taking the money away, but they're taking it away over ten years, right? Yeah. That, that was the plan. But they, because they're so sad at having the money taken away, they're being given a special deal, which and the special deal kicks in before they start to take the money away. Oh, <laughs> so they get actually, seventy-two million up front. They get seventy-two million dollars up front, as opposed to the seventy million dollars they would have got because before. I think the I'm going to be taken. sick. <laughs> and this is what we have to deal with. This is what we have to deal with. The special deal of overfunding for Catholic schools will now be $44 million in 2018. And the reduction, and the whole point of taking the money away is now it's actually just a complete charade, according to Trevor Cobalt, and I agree with him. The new special deal extends their massive overfunding for the next 10 years. Instead of their funding being reduced, um, it won't. It'll just stay the same because the medicine they're giving them to make them happy is about the same as the, as the cut that they're getting that makes them sad. Absolutely. Why? Why? Lobbyists in Canberra, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Lobbyists. Yes. Yeah. The Catholic Church hasn't changed a tweet. Well. Not a tweet. What, what's Never a tweet? Never changes. It's a, is a is a Twitter a, a, a measure of corruption or a little? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what a tweet is. Well, actually, I do know what a tweet is, Jane. 
But um, let's let's well, have that's, well, I think Mr. Birmingham thinks that we taxpayers are twits because we just don't really understand how the world works. Well, it's more in the world in the corridors of power. So while he's doing that in the ACT, while he's doing that in the ACT, he's picking a fight with Jay Weatherall in South Australia. This is Simon Birmingham. Mm-hmm. With his, we're having no special deals except for the special deal, which is the <laughs> not special deal. It's, it's not a, a special Clayton's deal, it's a special deal, deal special, which is completely different. Clayton's special deal. Oh, I don't know. It's craziness, <laughs> isn't it? Well, anyway, he's decided in the education front, because he wants to have a win, he's going to pick on the states. Because in Australia, for some strange reason that no one's yet explained to me, I wish they would, state schools are funded by the state government with a bit of money from the federal government, and ever since Howard... Private schools are funded by the federal government with a little bit of money from the state government. Correction, ever since Whitlam. Okay, ever since Whitlam. But it was Private schools have been funded, or even actually ever since Menzies in the 1960s. The private schools have got the bulk of the money from Canberra and uh, the states give them about 25%. Yeah, so the reason why this happens is just because. It happened before. It no happens this reason. year because it happened last year. It happened last year because it happened the year before. Um, and, and that goes back to Menzies. But no, but the reason, I mean, the actual justification for it, I mean, the whole logic behind the thing, because all this money is coming out from various treasuries, from state and federal to all these different places. And what this means is, Gene, that every time someone wants to have a fight, education becomes highly politicised at a state and federal into Nissan level, which is what's mm. happening in South Australia. Actually, Robert, the reason for it uh, lies in the nature of the Federation and the nature of the taxing system. After the Second World War, the income tax went to Canberra and all the states got was, I think, payroll tax. And the states have property taxes and uh, land tax is not a bad one. Uh, at least we get some money out of all the people who are investing money in, in housing, although there isn't enough houses for ordinary people. But um, the bulk of the taxation actually goes to Canberra, and Canberra also gets the GST, and they decide with how much of the GST goes back out to the states. So um, it's because of the tax system and the states are always in the position of being beggars. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the actual governments that are responsible for our state education system are always in the position every year of having to fight for their little bit of money from Canberra. That's, that's the, um, the historical and the political and um, financial situation. Yep, and so whenever it comes to talking about education funding, usually at this time of year when it's all back to school, um, there's the predictable fight between the federal and the state yep. government. So what happens is that Birmingham goes to Jay Weatherman and says, you're not spending enough money on state schools. You're a bad state premier. I'm a wonderful uh, federal federal uh, uh, education minister, and I'm going to give lots of money to private schools, and that's good, but you're being bad. You're taking money away from the state schools, so we're not going to give you any more money because you're doing the wrong thing with it, and so therefore the whole thing becomes this politicised argument. happens every year. It's happening again. It's now this, this year it happens to be South Australia. And the state schools are the losers every time. Indeed, because the federal education minister, Simon Birmingham's new figures show that almost 45 million drop in South Australian spending on schools, and he's used that to accuse Premier Jay Weatherall of slashing his state school funding. Now, $45 million for the entire state. That's the cut. He's, he's accusing him of. Jay Weatherall says, that's rubbish, I'm not doing it. But we just, we've just come from Canberra. <laughs> Mr. Mr. We've just come Birmingham from Canberra. could have given him $70 million. Where the <laughs> overfunding, current overfunding of private schools is to, is, is to the level of $70 million. You know, it's just... It's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, we'll be back with more interesting news, views and reviews um, about education policy in Australia after these messages. Great Voices CDs on 3CR. These CDs are a unique collection. Now you can go to 3cr.org.au and you can order online all the 20 CDs, 15 issues, for $160 postage pay. Or check the individual issues and read each track on it. Every major singer is on there. You'll be excited and entranced. Go to 3cr.org.au now 
and check out the wonderful Great Voices CDs. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State schools. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. State School of the Week. This week is South Melbourne Primary. Not South Yarra Primary, not South Any, but South Melbourne Primary. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'm not surprised because the school didn't exist until two days ago. Two days ago, it became a school. It's one of the new state schools. And in fact, being in South Melbourne, it's one of the very interesting new state schools because it's a high-rise state school. High-rise? It's a high-rise state school. It's over five floors. Wow. Because that's where it has to be. Do you know why it has to be there? It has to be in a high-rise because... Kenneth sold the original South Melbourne Primary School back in the 90s and made lots of, well, not didn't make much money at all, he just sold it. <laughs> Remember when Kenneth, back in the days, he was selling off all the schools, mm. making, making, selling off assets, selling off schools? Well, guess what? They need one now. South Melbourne Primary School now has to be built to cater for, well, have a guess, South Melbourne. It's a brand new school, 500 kids. Ooh. 500 kids in a primary school. That's a lot. It's been built to cater for that. It also comes ahead of um, the opening, as we mentioned uh, the week before last, of the Richmond High School, which is also brand new. When we're talking about it, it hadn't opened, but it has now. Now, the South Melbourne uh, primary principal, Noel Cree, said the school's teachers had more than first day, more first day jitters than the, than, than the pupils. I cannot report on the results of this school because it's only just opened, but I'm going to be following it because it looks like it's going to be interesting and fun. Um, the principal said the kids don't care, but the teachers are nervous and want to do the best they can. He says, I'm nervous because I want to bring everything to them today, but clearly these things take time to build. Now, a dozen students enrolled in the South Melbourne Primary School at the last minute on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's actually, there's about a million kids going back to school last week. Wow. Yeah. More than 80,000 of those kids around the state are, 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 are going to school for the very first time. A lot of people, isn't it? Children were in the labour wards five years ago. They mm. knew, they knew what was going to come. Yep. In fact, there are eleven new, eleven new state schools opening up in Victoria this year. Brand new ones. So the South Melbourne Primary. So why? Because there needs to be state primary schools. There needs to be state high schools because that's what the, that's actually the way the world's going. And I'll hopefully be explaining that in some detail in just a minute. There are three new. Catholic schools opening up again with their loss leading, trying to pounce on the outer urge, on, the, on the outer edges of, of Melbourne to try and sort of stake their claims in the growth suburbs. Uh, but there's no new independent schools opening up this year in Victoria, none at all. And I think that's deeply informative. So, but our great state school, which I'm going to highlight because it's one of the, one of the eleven that's open, is South Melbourne. The kids are all excited. Um, look, there's, there's, a, there's, there's two sisters, there's Charlie's and Yara, and Yara Bars, and they've actually, for the first time, they're in grade three and five, and they're all excited, and I quote this from Yara, she says, I like the way the classroom's a bit set up. In some, you can see the city, so it's a school with a view. Their mum said she and her husband uh, chose the school because of its new facilities, its passionate principle, and because it's close to where they live, mm. just two tram tram stops from home. Mm. Now, you see... That's what state schools are all about. Why do you go to that school? Because it's my school. Yeah. How come you go to that school? Because it's it's my school. Around the corner. It's it, it's my school. It's it, there's there's no question. Why 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 would I go anywhere else? Mm. I can walk there. Is it a good school? Get on yeah. A scooter and go there. That's right. They said they couldn't miss the opportunity. So said the parents. To be part of the founding students in the school, they said it was really exciting. It's about trying mm. to give them the best and trying to create something new. Mm. Now, the Premier Dan Andrews, of course, um, said the families could expect to see more vertical schools across Melbourne's packed in the city suburbs. This is going to be the new trend, and he has to build them because Kenneth sold them. Yeah. Sold them mm. to developers yep. who built the high-rise flats uh, or just the, the houses and the flats that had the children. It was all so predictable. Indeed, mm-hmm. indeed it was. Now... 
why are new state schools getting built? Well, I'm just going to highlight this because new state schools are getting built because parents have woken up about the stupidity of sending their kids to a private school. And I use the word stupidity advisedly <laughs> because Australia as a country is an outlier when it comes to private schools. One in three children is educated in Australia in the non-government sector and the proportion of private high schools swells to around 45% in places like Melbourne. So 45% of the kids go to a private school in high school in Melbourne. Now, this is a vastly bigger share than any other nation that we would like to compare ourselves to. Mm. Privately managed schools account for just 6% of the total of in, in, in the United Kingdom and New Zealand. 7% account for private schools in Canada. 9% in the United States mm. and in Australia, in places like Melbourne. 45% of kids go to private schools. Well, if Mr Birmingham is paying private schools extra money in order to take money away from them when they're overfunded, uh, really what else can you quite expect? Well, in, in Australia, our schooling culture means tuition fees are a huge draw on the millions of mm. families who are sending their kids to these schools. It's estimated that parents in Australia now fork out around $10 billion a year from their private incomes for school tuition. This is separate. I'm not talking about taxpayers' funding now. No, I'm talking about parents. your kids. You earn the money, you spend the money. $10 billion. For a household economic school fees, actually gets strangely little attention. You know, we talk about the economics of households and things like that. Look, this is a big part of many people's lives. It's not talked about very much. And this is a quote from Jack Stevens, the chief of EduStart, a firm providing tailored loans for school tuition, a growth industry in, guess where, Australia. <sighs> the research by EduStart has drawn attention to the financial sacrifices parents are prepared to make for private schools. This is an ancient story. I'm a good parent because I sacrificed this money to send my child to their private school. Now, in the first most recent study, which was conducted last year, 500 families with children at private schools showed that only half of all families with children at private schools can meet the fees from their disposable income. The rest of the fees by families have been drawn down on savings or being taken on as debt. About one in six families in Australia sending their children to private schools are paying school fees with credit cards. Wow. Stephen said many families feel financial pinch when they have multiple children in the later years of high school. Fees might creep up to the point where the costs exceed available income, but there's a real unwillingness to shift children, especially in the late years of high school. So once you're in, they've got you, you can't go. That's also true, you know, moving your child out of their high school Mm. because you've run out of money is a traumatic thing that you would like to avoid. Mm. Okay, and when this all happens, of course, this is where the credit card comes into play. This research by Ed Start shows that one in ten families with children at private schools are drawing down their mortgages to pay tuition fees. Now, it is in the interest of this Jack Stevens to say this, because he's, he's setting up saying, you can avoid this by coming and using my company and getting, and getting financial advice, and, you know, when the child's born, you, you give money to me and I'll make sure it's all all right. But um, this is actually all quoted from an article, I have to say, by Matt Wade and uh, Pallavini Singal, um, an article on January the 27th. And, of course, these are the sort of articles you get at this time of year at the, back, the time of back to school. I, can't, I won't go into all of it. It's actually amazingly detailed. Now, of course, the um, executives, Colette Coleman of the Independent Schools Council of Australia and the Catholic Education Office say, oh, no, no, it's not really that bad. That's fine. We've got good values. We, we, can, we can be nice about that sort of stuff. But... In the annual private school fee survey, published just recently, it showed the cost of tuition will top the 37,000 mark at several elite Sydney schools this year. <laughs> That's equivalently half the average weekly, orderly, weekly ordinary time earnings in New South Wales. And that's to send one child to the school. It's a similar story, of course, in Melbourne with the elite private colleges. It's between 30 and 30. $37,000 will get your kid a year at Scotts. Wow. Latest estimates by Education Investments, of course, show that sending a cost, the cost of sending a child to a top Sydney school from prep to year 12 is around about, and I've said this for years, six to $700,000. And that's just the base level. That's you don't go on camps. That's you don't go on a field trip to, to Europe for six weeks, <laughs> which is, of course, expected at these places. 
And the costs of sending your child to a private school are increasing each year at a rate greater than inflation. And all of these schools we're talking about where these massive fees are funded by the taxpayer as well as the parents themselves. And so this is now leading. This situation in Australia, this outlier of Australia who's been doing this for years and years, the trend is now away. The trend is now away from this. And so enrolments in independent schools and indeed enrolments in Catholic schools for the first time in years are falling. Parents are working out. They're being, hang on, this is it's going to cost me $700,000 to send my kids to this private school and I'm going to have to go into debt by the time they're in late high school, so I'm not stupid. I'm going to send my child to the local state school and none of all these problems go away and any extra income I have, because I love my child, I will supply for that child. I might put the money in the bank and then buy them a house when they leave school with the money I've saved <laughs> or set them up in business or pay for all of their tertiary education fees so they don't depends have to go into debt. Depends on whether or not you want grandchildren, I would think, Robert. Oh, indeed, that's true <laughs> I don't well. see how on earth uh, these, these oh, children who, who get all of this money and then you, ha- you can't buy them a house, where are they going to get their nests from? Because <laughs> they'll go to university, but where are the jobs going to be? The robots will take those over. That's right. Oh, and dear. you'll find that um, in this modern ec- technologically-based economy, the old boys' network is becoming less and less functionally useful. <laughs> in many parts of the world, in, me- in many parts of life in Melbourne, I can tell you the old... Someone comes and says, I went to this school and that school. is not relevant. I hope they've got resilience. <laughs> yes, well... You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR. We've been very sarcastic and cynical and probably a bit <laughs> hateful about all the poor children in private schools. That's not our intention because children are children no matter where they go to school and, this, and parents have to make decisions, of course. But our job here is to be a watchdog on not, not just government waste but the ineffable stupidity of keeping on sending taxpayers' money to private schools to divide our children on the, on, on the basis of income or their religion or their skin colour. Um, that's something we don't think that either ta- we as taxpayers should be paying for. It's a very simple thing. There's only one group of people who do education in Australia that, should ha- that, that deserve the funds of us, the citizens, and that is those people who work in schools, which are open to all, accessible to all, are free, not, fr- not free entirely because you have to run the things, but free to the child, free to the child. And the parent. Well, obviously the parents as well, but it's the children we like to think of. Open to all, are free, and in fact fundamentally secular. That's not to say that religion can't play a part in the life of a child. It's just not during the hours at which they learn their maths. Because we don't think you should have to, be, you should have to learn Catholic maths, or Islamic science, or, or Scientology history. Um, oh, we don't think the government should pay for any of those things because it's math, science and history and there is a curriculum and so the secular state protects us or protects the children actually from that and if the parents have particular views and beliefs that is a wonderful thing um, for, for, for people to have strongly held beliefs and faiths and that sort of thing but it's not an educational place for, for, for those things to play out it's all very simple, we've never changed we never will, some people like us, some people don't, but that's okay, we're on 3CR 855 and AM dial and we're part of the community we're part of that community if you're interested in what we have been saying of course you can get in touch with us at our website at www.adogs.info and if you um, want to share what we have and you, and you think oh a friend of mine might be interested in that, you can get us on the 3CR website as well this will be a podcast if you're listening to it that way on 3cr.org.au. Go to that website and go to the podcast. You'll find us again. But until next week, from Rob, Jean and Dale, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw joy last night Alive as you and me, says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City.
still says I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did, says Joe, but I did. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man. Says Joe, I didn't die. Says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill, went on to organize. Went on to organize from San Diego up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize. It's there you find your hill. It's there you find. Says he.